Well, hey everyone, I'm Pastor Judd Wilhite, and I wanna thank you for joining us today. You know, Central's a place where it's okay to not be okay. And we are so glad that you're here. I hope you enjoy this message. All right. Way to come to church in a hurricane. You guys are awesome. Good to see you today. Um, thought I'd start with a question. What, what was the last thing you forgot? I know some of you right now are like, I can't remember. I, I forgot. It's bad when you forgot what you forgot, right? Last thing I forgot was a meeting. I had a meeting recently, and I never miss meetings. I, I can't remember the last time this happened, but I totally left a friend of mine hanging out there. Like, I just forgot. I put it on the calendar, even had an alert, and still forgot. So, anyway. I remember once I was walking around trying to, um, uh, trying to leave, and I couldn't find my glasses, and I was panicking, and, and uh, you know, I, I, right before I, I gave up, I grabbed my wife, Lori, I said, Lori, you got to help me. I can't find my glasses. I don't know where they are. She's looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, what? She says, they're on your face. <laughs> Forgot. I remember once she came in, and she said, I'm, I can't find my wedding ring. Like, I put it on the counter, and then, you know, I went back, and it's gone. I don't know where it is. I can't find it. And so we start looking all over the house. We look in all the usual places. You know, we do all that stuff. And then kind of, then we start looking in other places. At one point, I'm like, got the trash can out. I'm like digging through the trash. This is what you do. My wife's crying. You know, I'm like looking in the, like, garbage disposal with a flashlight in case it went down there. I get my little son. I think it was like eight at the time. I bring him in. I'm like, Ethan, Ethan, did you see your mom's wedding ring? And he goes, I think I may have seen that. And I said, did you put it somewhere? He goes, I might have. I said, where did you put it? He's like, I can't remember. So we look all over. I take him to each room of the house. Could you remember? Did you put it in here? He's like, I can't remember. What about this room? I can't remember. Anyway, we're about to give up. This has gone on for hours. And at one point I'm standing there and I look over and there's this little pin holder. And I don't know why. I just picked it up and took the pins out and there was change at the bottom and there was her wedding ring right there. And I immediately was like, eat that. And my, my son came in there and he said, that's where I put it. <laughs> Come on. But we forget. We forget what we had for lunch last week. We forget what we forget. We forget our, where we put the car keys. You know, we forget meetings. There's lots of things we forget. But sometimes, if we're not careful, we forget all that God has done in our lives. There's a word that, that you'll find again and again in the Bible, and it's the word remember. God is constantly telling us as his people to remember. Remember who he is. Remember what he's done. Remember his goodness. Remember his love. Remember his grace. Why? Because we are inherently a forgetful people. We forget. And sometimes we forget about God's amazing grace. And we sing about amazing grace. It's probably the most popular song in the last 200 years, 100 years. You know, you can, you can go to, to concerts. I remember being at a U2 concert. Everybody starts singing Amazing Grace and sober or not, they're all belting it out. You know, once was lost, now I'm found, was blind, but now I see like, like it's kind of a part of culture now. But sometimes we forget that God's grace really is amazing. Like it's amazing to us and it's also amazing for others who may be far from God right now in their lives. And so what I'd love to do with you over the next few weeks is remind all of us to remember how amazing God's grace is. Not only for us, but also for others. And in Luke chapter 15, I believe we have this chapter. If there's one chapter in the entire Bible that communicates God's heart towards people, I think it's Luke chapter 15. 
What sets this chapter up is the religious leaders come to Jesus and they're bothered. They're always bothered. They're bothered because Jesus keeps hanging around with people that, you know, are questionable. These aren't people that have it all figured out. These aren't people that look the right way on the outside. They don't come from the right families. They don't follow all the right religious rules. They're like not dialed into all the right religious things. And so this bothers the religious people. These people are not people that they perceive to be on their team. And Jesus is hanging out with them. So they say, Jesus, this is the literal translation of their question. They say, Jesus, why do you spend so much time with sinners? Right? Why do you spend so much time with misfits, riffraff, with these people? And then Jesus, as he often does, he doesn't answer them like directly. He tells them a story. In fact, in Luke chapter 15, in response to this question, why do you spend so much time with sinners? Jesus tells them three stories. The story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin, and the story of the lost son. First story is the story of the lost sheep. Luke chapter 15, here's how Jesus starts. I'm gonna read this. Say the red word real loud with me when we get there. But he says, if a man has 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is what? Lost until he finds it. Now we're gonna learn in the stories Jesus tells that the shepherd is a picture of God and his heart and the sheep are, are us. And he's saying, look, if, if there's 100 sheep and 99 of them are saved and found and, and okay and, and safe, but one of them is lost, what is the heart of the shepherd? What is the heart of God? The heart of God is to put the priority on the one that's lost. And they leave the 99, not because the 99 aren't, my Christians get offended by this, like, hey, wait, I'm the 99. It's not like God left you. He's already got you. And you have his spirit, and you have one another, and you have the church, and you have community. God loves you. And, and even in Jesus' story, the shepherd may have left other shepherds to watch over the sheep, but the heart of the shepherd shifts. The priority becomes the one that's lost, which one day, that was you, just saying. And it's a challenge, I think, for all of us to realize that God's grace is amazing, not just for us but for others. And here's why I think sometimes we forget. Have you ever looked at how Christians comment on social media? Have you, have you ever seen like just the general spirit of judgment, even anger, hate, all this stuff flowing out towards people that matter to God, towards people that may be lost, they may be far from God in their lives, but God's heart is to bring them home. And I don't know where we got the idea that attacking other people and coming at them from a very self-righteous standpoint is gonna represent God well and one day help them come home to him. <laughs> but it doesn't. So I wanna talk for a few minutes today about the power for our own lives of re remembering God's grace and how amazing it really is but also remembering how amazing his grace is for those who may be far from him. If we wanna experience more of his amazing grace, first we've gotta reconnect with God's heart. 
We've got to reconnect with his heart. How, how many of you have ever had sticker shock recently where you were just surprised at how much something cost, right? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe that was the grocery store this week. Uh, maybe it was a coffee shop. I don't know if you've gone into a coffee shop in a tourist area and it's like the $8 and something, um, you know, cup of coffee. I'm like, what? I was at a concert recently and no lie, $20 bottle of water. I'm like, where does it stop? You know, someday am I gonna, it's the $100 bottle of water? I don't know, it just, it's crazy. Now this one was in a nice can. Still just water, y'all. You know, couldn't believe it. Sticker shock. I, I, I remember, um, uh, I remember going with my wife to a flea market and I thought flea markets were supposed to be like cheap. Just junk. We go in and I see this old saxophone and I'm like, oh, this will be cheap, maybe 20 bucks, you know? And I ask the guy, how much for the saxophone? It was 800 bucks. <laughs> this was in California. I'm like, whoa, California flea markets, man. <laughs> I turn around to my wife. I'm like, hey, that, what's happened? She goes, this is an antique flea market, Judd. It's like, well, where's the cheap flea market? That's where I belong. <laughs> is there a Costco kind of flea market? Where's that? You know, where, how do I get to that? Anyway, sticker shock. By far the greatest sticker shock in history has got to be the cross of Jesus Christ. Because it's there we realize how valuable people really are. It's there you see a picture of what God was willing to pay for you and for me and for your friends and your family and for those people who maybe are lost right now and on the outside. Jesus lived this amazing life that we couldn't live, died a sacrificial death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So he paid the price with his life for our sin, died the sacrificial death so that we could be brought back to God. Paul will say in Corinthians later that our message is simply this, that we have a ministry of reconciliation. Our messages come back to God because of all Jesus has done, come back to God. Like, that's how valuable you are. That's how much you're worth. In fact, Luke chapter 15, verse 8, Paul, uh, uh, Jesus goes on. He tells the, not only the story of the lost sheep, but he tells the story of the lost coin. He starts it this way. He says, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search how carefully until she finds it? So you see, there's two stories. One, there's the lost sheep. The shepherd goes out to look for the sheep. Next story, there's a lost coin. She lights a lamp. She's searching. She's going to try to find the coin. She searches carefully for it. Why? Because the coin is valuable. The coin was already valuable before it was lost. It's not like she's like, oh man, it's probably dirty now. <laughs> Who cares? No, it's still valuable. And so she carefully searches for the lost and you're valuable and your friends are valuable. What's your worth? Well, according to God, you're worth the life of his one and only son who has many names in the Bible, like the maker of heaven and earth, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the commander of the angel armies, the prince of peace, the alpha and the omega, the bright morning star, the lion of Judah, the bread of life, the fountain of living water. And he gave his life for you. That's how much you're worth. That's how much your friends are worth. He paid the highest price for you. Your life is precious. It's precious to him. 
And so I think for all of us in our lives, we've got to reconnect to God's heart and realize how amazing his grace really is. I, I remember hearing a story years ago of this famous author and speaker named um, uh, Kay Arthur. And uh, Kay Arthur, when she was in her 20s, was in a tough marriage, tough situation, um, they eventually got divorced. Then she got tied up in having an affair with a, another married man. And um, she was around her ex-husband and he, he found out about this affair. And he said, hey, if you don't break off this relationship, I'm going to take my own life. And she said she was so crass at the time. She said, go ahead. I need the money. And what she never really got over was that sometime later he did it. And he ended his life. And she said she was so angry and so mad, she got in her car and had three little kids in the back. And she was particularly angry at God. And she said she yelled out to God, to hell with you, God. To hell with you. And she said it was only years later that she realized that's exactly what God did. He went to hell for her in Jesus Christ so that he could say to her, to heaven with you. And to heaven with you and to heaven with you. That's God's amazing grace. In fact, as you look at the three stories in Luke chapter 15, you see that there's some principles that apply kind of across the board. Uh, the first is simply this, that what's lost is valuable. It's already valuable, right? Even though people may be lost, they may be far from God, they may disagree with you about politics, about religion, about pretty much everything in their lives, they're still valuable because they're created in the image of God, okay? What's lost is valuable. Uh, not only that, what's lost becomes a priority. In every story, like the shepherd has the priority of finding the lost sheep. The woman who loses the coin, the priority becomes finding the lost coin. And then the father that loses the son, you know, his heart is always for the son to come back home. That which is lost becomes the priority. And then we go to the third principle, that that which is lost becomes found. And it's not like the coin found itself or the sheep found itself. And I think the principle is that God does the finding. God finds people. God searches for people. God works in their hearts. God works in their lives. But we get to partner with God in the work that he's doing, reaching people and bringing them home to him. And then every single thing that gets found becomes celebrated. Becomes so there's always a party. The woman finds the lost coin. She brings her friends over. She's like, hey, I found the coin. It's kind of like when we found Lori's wedding ring. I'm like, man, it's a party, bro. Like, and so again and again, when the lost son comes home, they, they have a feast, they celebrate, it's a party. Uh, when the sh uh, shepherd um, uh, brings the sheep home that was lost, there's a celebration, there's joy. It's celebrated again and again and again. In fact, in Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 14, Jesus tells the story of the lost sheep. We've been looking at it in Luke, but in Matthew 18, he tells the story, but he adds this little sentence to describe more of what he means by this story. Check it out. He says, in the same way, it is not my heavenly Father's what? Will, it's not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. So some of you right now, you're thinking like, what is God's will? What does God really desire? What does he want? Do I marry this guy? Do I date this guy? Do I date this girl? Um, you know, like, do I, do I move to this city? Do I take this job? Uh, do I fill in the blank? And Jesus says, this is God's will. His will is that no one should perish. His will is that everyone who is far from him should come home to him. 
His will is that everyone who is lost right now would ultimately be found. His will is that those people on the outside, those people that aren't your people, those people that aren't on your team would one day come back to God and return to him and have their lives transformed from the inside out. That's what Jesus says God's will is. And so even though you may disagree with somebody, and it's okay to disagree with people, doesn't mean you hate them. I don't know why in our culture, like you disagree, oh, now you hate me. I'm, I don't hate you. Just disagree with you. You disagree, but you don't have to be angry. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be condescending. You don't have to tear people down because you don't want to be a, a barrier in the way of that person's journey back to God one day, right? You don't want to be a scar in their life that causes them to hold out on that journey coming back to God. So re reconnect with God. We wanna be a church that is here for the 99 because they're all important. You're important, you matter, God loves you. But we wanna realize that the priority has to stay on those who are not yet here. What happens in most churches, what happens with most people of faith is the longer you are a person of faith, the longer a church is around, the focus goes inward and it goes down. It goes down and in. And then everything becomes about me. Am I happy? Are things good? Do I like the service? Is, this, is the message speaking to me right now? Do I like this worship? I don't know. I'm not sure I like this worship. You know, do I, you know, could they turn the air conditioner on in here and make it a little cooler even though last week I was freezing? Like, Everything becomes sort of about our needs and our wants and our, our desires, right? This is just human nature, you know? Like, like, could they work out the parking situation a little better? Can we get somebody out here so I can get off the property quicker? Like, everything sort of becomes about us. And the danger is we forget that the heart of God is for us, but it's also for those who are not here, who are hurting, who are lost, who need God and need his love. So we want to realign with God's heart and then we want to represent God's heart. We want to represent God's heart. I remember standing in the lobby uh, over 20 years ago and this lady was standing there and she just was letting me have it. She was really upset. And she was upset because the church had been growing and things had been happening, but she didn't kind of like the people that were coming in. Like, like the people that were coming into church didn't look like her anymore. And, and you know, they, didn't, they had like stuff going on in their lives. You know, they were like normal people, if you know what I'm saying, and as opposed to the other kind of, I don't know who they are. Anyway, she let me have it in the lobby one day, and she, she said, these are not my people, and they sit in my seat. And she said, I'm afraid when I sit in my seat because I don't know what I might catch from the people that sat there before me. No lie. And she said, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the church. I didn't say it, but I kind of thought like, well, don't let the door hit you on the way out. You know, like, just, but I took it like a pastor. But I remember standing there and thinking, I think Jesus is probably more offended by her attitude than he is by the things those people are doing. Because that attitude is the attitude of the religious leaders. Jesus had some of his harshest words for the religious leaders. So we want to not only align with God's heart, but we want to represent God's 
heart. Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse six, tells us something about God's heart. It talks about this shepherd, when he gets the lost sheep, it says, he brings him back, and when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, rejoice with me, because I found my lost sheep. And in the same way, there is more what? joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. You see that? Like, what causes God to party? What causes God and heaven to act like the Super Bowl just got one? It's when one of his lost kids comes home. It's not that you and I don't matter, we matter, but the priority has shifted to the kid that's out there lost and drowning in the darkness in need of hope and forgiveness and mercy. And when they come home, we party like it's 1999. Uh, literally, 99 sheep, you get that, you see that? Yeah. Because we as a church want to replicate what God celebrates. And I think there's four simple ways that we can pull together to do this better and more efficiently. In fact, we sat down years ago and we really prayed through like, like what are the, the simple things that we want to ask every single person who considers central their church home to do in their life. And if they would just all do these simple things, then together we could have a much greater impact. And so we came up with four simple things. And we talked about this back in the day. We said, listen, we don't really have members at Central uh, because membership implies, um, it implies, uh, you know, that, that, that you have privileges. We wanna have owners because ownership implies responsibilities. And some of you, you've been coming around for a while, you've been kicking the tires, you've been hanging out. Some of you have been hanging out for years. And I just want to encourage you to put a stake in the ground, to make central your church home. Or if not central, go find a church and make it your church home. Some of you, you like to church shop. You're like, oh, how do you feel today? You want to go to this church? You want to go to that church? Corner church? Whatever. Look, you will serve all the churches if you'll just pick one and put a stake in the ground and say, we're gonna, we're gonna make this place our place. We're gonna own it together. And so here, here's the four things real quick. The first is simply this, attend the weekend. You're like, well, duh. <laughs> why, <clears throat> why would you have that as your first thing? Because we live in a culture today where the only thing people do every week is go to Costco, right? The only thing they do every week is, is they go to the gym multiple days a week, but you tell them to go to church more than two or three times a year, people look at you like, what? This is serious. Yeah, it's a priority in our lives, right? And the reason the Bible says don't give up meeting together is because we need that. We need to come together. There's something that happens when you're in the room. You gotta get around other people. You gotta see people being baptized. You gotta see people taking steps of faith. You gotta pray for people who are hurting. You gotta get inspired again and again and again to lean into God's word. You gotta take spiritual steps in your life. And one of the most powerful things you and I can do is just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. Some days you're gonna be frustrated. Some days it's gonna be a hurricane outside. Some days the wind has blown so much, there's trees everywhere. Some day it's raining and it's like mud rain. Hello. And what do you do? You just keep showing up. And God will keep showing up in your heart and life and keep moving. Second thing is this, uh, invite a friend. We wanna remain 
a culture. Second thing, invite a friend. We want to remain a culture that keeps inviting other people. Aren't you glad for the person that invited you to church or to faith or invited you to take a spiritual step in your life or invited you to watch online or sent you an Instagram reel and said, check this out or whatever? Like, aren't you glad for those people in your life? I will never forget the people in my life who were like that. I remember this lady came up to me once after one of our services. She was crying, very emotional, tears. And she had an invite card in her hand. And she said, you know, pastor, pastor, pastor. And she sort of flagged me down, running down the aisle. I'm like, oh. And she says, tell the people that invite people, thank you. And then she gave me the invite card back. And she repeated it. Tell the people that invite people, thank you. That was all she had to say, right? I could tell God had moved in her life powerfully. She was so thankful for somebody that simply invited her. And if we're going to keep the one as the priority, we just got to keep investing and inviting and praying and asking God to give us opportunities to share what he's done in our life. The third thing is this, take a next step. And that will look different for everybody. For some people, maybe it's to say, hey, this week I'm going to, I'm going to commit to try to pray for a few minutes every day. Or I'm going, to start, I'm going to get the Bible app on my phone and open it up and start doing the verse of the day for a couple minutes every day. I'm just going to make that spiritual commitment. For others, it may be like, I need to take a step to forgive somebody and let go of some of this bitterness. Or I need to take a step to start you know, honoring God in my personal life. Or maybe I need to take a step and put a boundary in my life. I, we all have different steps. Or maybe it's like a specific church ministry step. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join a team. A lot of people did that last week. I'm going to jump in and serve. Uh, I'm going to be part of the recovery ministry. I'm going to try to get help for this addiction issue that I'm facing in my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in and be a part of like 24-hour church and help other people who are calling, who are in need. Like, I don't know what your next step is, but if we all keep taking next steps, we'll all keep growing. And if we all keep growing, we'll be a deep church right? We'll be a deep church. Then the third thing is to give generously, to give generously. And not only is giving, I think, important as a spiritual discipline, but here's what you'll find. Anything you give to, you care about. And when you give to something, you care about it at a different level, right? Like, you know what we call it in the, in, in, in the financial world? Investing, right? And people say, well, I'm an investor, you start investing money in a certain stock or whatever, all of a sudden you care when that thing's going up or when it's going down, right? Why? Because you're invested. And that's what happens from a giving standpoint. Like money aside, we need a church full of committed people who are invested in what God is doing in our community. And so let's bring that back up again because I want to encourage you, like bring it up again, that, that image. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you're here, if Central is your church, don't just be an attender, be an owner, make it your own. And to make it your own, you can start with four simple things. Make a commitment to be here on the weekend. You're already those kind of people because you came in a windstorm. But then invite a friend to come along because we're about the one. You say, well, the church is already big. Can it, you know, maybe it's too big. I don't know. You know, like maybe, look, it's not about the size of a building or a parking lot. There are millions of people right now in our city unconnected to God, unconnected to a church. We'll make room, we'll figure that out. But our mission, our priority, if it's gonna be aligned with God's, has got to be for the one who's hurting, who's out there, who's alone. Keep taking next steps, keep giving generously. And what I really need from you as your pastor and leader, 
I need you to join arms with me. I need you to say, this is my church. Or if this isn't your church, go find the church that is your church. And on behalf of all those pastors, and I'm pretty much friends with all of them and love them, they would all say, make that your church. Just put a stake in the ground somewhere, right? And say, I'm not just going to bounce around, church, ha, I'm just God dating you. And then, oh, look, I'm dating you. Then, oh, look, I'm over here, I'm dating you. Okay, I'll stop. Anyway, you get it. I love you, but come on. Just commit somewhere. Put the stake in the ground because, you know, we're only as strong as we are together. And as God moves and works in our community together, if we will pull together, if you will say, I'm going to own it, I'm going to own the Henderson location, this is my church, I don't care how many other people are here, I'm going to attend, I'm going to take a next step, I'm going to invite friends, I'm going to give generously, I'm going to do my part because I'm not here for the privileges, I'm here for the responsibility. That step. We could do so much more. We could accomplish so much more. So Jesus teaches that the 99 who are safe and found are important, but the one who is lost becomes the priority of God's heart. And we're here to introduce people to Jesus and help them follow him. Why? Because the 99 are important, but the one is the priority. We do the music that we do with the volume that we do, with the energy that we do, because the 99 are important, but the one is priority. We have 24-hour church where people reach out 24 hours a day. We call them, or we answer, we talk to them, we pray with them. Why? Because the 99 are important, but the one is priority. We have amazing ministries like God Behind Bars, reaching out into prisons and Hope for the City, serving tons of food to people. Why? Because the 99 are important, but the one is priority. We do recovery ministries, student ministries, family ministries, kids ministries, groups ministries. Why? It's because the 99 are important, but the one is priority. We challenge each other to personally invite people to come to church because the 99 are important, but the one is priority. We take relational risks. We share our story of faith with other people because the 99 are important, but the one is priority. We constantly remind that people that today will be somebody's first time in church. Why? Because the 99 are important, but the one is priority. We go big at like Easter. We encourage everybody to invite people because studies say more people are open to come to church at like Christmas and Easter than any other time of year. Why? Because the 99 are important, but the one is priority. And it wasn't too long ago when you and I were the one. When we were out there on our own, far from God, trying to make it on our own, hurting, struggling, in need of prayer, in need of help, in need of encouragement. And aren't you glad that God's heart remained inclined towards you even when you didn't deserve it? Even when I didn't deserve it. And he brought us home to him. Jesus ends the story or in Luke 15 of telling how the shepherd finds the sheep. But then look at, look at what it says after this. It's so good. He says, uh, when he has found it, when the shepherd's found the sheep, he will joyfully what? Carry it home on his shoulders. I had this t-shirt. I think I was in college. And it was just a picture of Jesus. Or looked like Jesus. A shepherd. And he's laughing. And he's got a, a sheep on his shoulders. And it's this image. He's carrying them home. He found the lost sheep. The heart of God is to carry his lost sheep home on his shoulders. And God will carry you. He'll carry you when you get lost. He'll carry you when your strength fails. He'll carry you when you're out of options. 
He'll carry you when you no longer want to put one foot in front of the other. He'll carry you through the valley. He'll carry you through the dark night. He'll carry you through the shadow of death. He'll carry you through fear and pain and loss and grief. He'll carry you when the sun's shining brightly and when it's so dark you can't see to put one foot in front of the other. He loves to carry his kids home. And did you see what it said? It says, the shepherd carries the sheep home joyfully. That's the word used to describe the heart of God joyfully. And when they get home, it's not guilt. It's not shame on you for all the things you did. It's not, I can't believe you dumb sheep, you got lost again. In Jesus' story, it's what? Let's have a party. Let's celebrate because the lost sheep has come home. That's God's heart. And I hope that encourages you in your own life to know that that's how much God cares about you. Reconnect to his grace for you. And represent his grace to others because that's also how much he cares for others. And we've got to represent that grace to others. And our hope is one day we'll get to see them take the same spiritual journey that we took in our lives. Maybe this week, maybe there's one person in your life you could just commit to pray for. Ask God for an opportunity to share your faith or invite along to Easter or plant a spiritual seed in their life. Just one person. And just begin to pray for them and ask God to open the door to give you an opportunity. Maybe an opportunity that's not too weird, you know what I'm saying? Like a natural opportunity to share your faith, to share your story with them. And you may be surprised at how God will begin to do that. Maybe you're here, maybe you've never crossed that line of faith. I'd love to give you an opportunity to just come to know Christ in your life and begin that spiritual journey. If he's been calling you home, if he's tapping you on the shoulder to come home to him, then I wanna lead you in a simple prayer to open your heart to him and begin to take some spiritual steps. So would all of you bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus today, you can begin that journey by just repeating a simple prayer after me to say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you in Christ's name. And friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer, if it's your commitment today, I wanna ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just make eye contact with me, just to say before God, to say to me, you're gonna trust him. You're gonna follow him in your life today. God bless you guys, thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you, hands going up around the room. Thank you, thank you guys. Let's reach out to him today. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, we love you. I thank you for each person just reaching out to you. I pray you'll move in their life. Bless them, forgive them, restore them, heal them. God, we thank you for your amazing, amazing grace. We remember it and we celebrate it. In Christ's name, amen. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe and review this podcast and connect with us on social media by following at Central Online. You can also contribute to what God is doing through Central. You can simply visit centralchurch.online slash give, and you can give a gift today. And thanks again for joining us on the Central Church Podcast.